You are listening to the Wyoming Park Bible Fellowship Podcast. This week, we are starting a new type of weekly podcast episode because we are starting a new type of weekly worship service on Sunday nights. Starting with this week, we will be dropping a Thursday morning podcast episode that will be the audio from the previous Sunday evening service. In this first Sunday night service message, Pastor John lays out the reasoning for this new service and what you can expect if you choose to participate. Just so you know, both our morning and night services are available in video format to watch on our website or on YouTube. As always, thanks so much for listening. Well, greetings to you, and this is our first in our Sunday night service, our Sunday night church um, program, and so this is an idea that we've been kicking around as a board, and I, I wanted to um, at least get started with it. Maybe it'll last for a while. Maybe it'll work really well. We're hoping it does, but we want to take advantage of how um, God has moved in our world with COVID and with the pandemic and our not being able to meet together. Um, we're just looking for a way to adjust to that. All of our ministries really at church have kind of been reset back to zero. And so we're trying to think of the best way to restart them up again. And so this is um, one of the first things we're thinking of is adding a Sunday night church. And so this little message right now is to talk about that idea, Sunday night church. And it's always a good place to start with the book of Acts. Um, this particular passage in Acts is right after Peter's sermon, right? And so Pentecost morning, the Holy Spirit has come down and People thought they were drunk, because, but they said it's only 9 o'clock in the morning, and so it couldn't have been that. And so then Peter speaks and gives a, a great presentation of the gospel and explains why Jesus um, is the one who saves us from our sins, even though they intended to um, bring him over to judgment. God was working, and salvation was brought to the people. And then the text says that 3,000 people were added to their church that day. And then the very next paragraph in the book of Acts, right after Peter's sermon, is a description of the early church. And there are a lot of things that are unique to that church, culturally and timing-wise. It was the very beginning of the church, and so there's unusual characteristics about it. And so I want to talk about those, but in general, it's always good for us to go back to the roots, back to the beginning, back to when the church first was born, and to see what its values were. And there's, there's certainly value in, in uh imitating that. So it starts out with, they, the church, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayer. And so um, the first thing we see is that they actually had access to the apostles, which we do not, right? We do not have apostles today. We believe that the only the 12 apostles, that there was no persistent office of apostleship. And so, but we do have the apostles' teaching because we have uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, 1st, 2nd Corinthians, right? We have all of the, the books of the New Testament, which were uh, written in large part by these apostles. And so we have the apostles' teaching. So we have that, and we can have fellowship and the breaking of bread. That's the um, way that they described the communion experience, the communion meal, breaking bread together. And so they would even apparently participate in communion at every at every meal, not just once a month like we do, and then and to prayer. So those are all things that we can do, and that's the characteristics of them when they first started. 
And then it says that everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. And so there was certainly a, a unique, miraculous ministry in the early church. It was to accredit and to demonstrate the credibility of the apostles. And the, it was the apostles who were doing the signs and wonders. And um, we don't need the apostles to do signs and wonders today, because if we needed them, we would have them, but we don't have apostles. And the, um, the purpose for miracle in the Bible has always been to uh, give credit to or to prove who is speaking authoritatively from God. But without the written scriptures, we needed to know who was the true authorities, who were the trusted teachers and who were not. And it was by miracle that God was attesting who his apostles were. And so that was unique to that early age. But again, we have those teachings. And I don't want to put God in a box here. We experience wonders and miracles today too. God does wonderful things that are outside of nature. And we can pray to God and we can expect him to do things. It may not be as amazing as um, it was for Peter and Paul when you know, somebody even uh, walked by some, or touched the garment or something that Peter had touched. There was miraculous power. But uh, we don't have that, but we do have people getting their lives changed and God doing the miracle of rebirth in our lives. So we can experience those things. But again, that was part of the early church. And then all the believers were together and had everything in common. And they sold their property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. And so there was a, uh, this is referred to as a communal type uh, economic system, and they were able to throw in together and it, again, I think it was unique. There's other um, churches in the New Testament that don't have the same characteristics. So this isn't a mandatory characteristic of, of a church. But it is in some ways at least a representative of a value system that's at work. That if my brother or sister is in need, I will, I will diminish my resources. I will sell my property. I will take my money and my savings and I will give it to help them to um, be rescued from their need. And so... This attitude ought to be there that we would sell our possessions and give to anyone in had need. And at our board meeting last uh, the other night, we, um, as a board, were talking about how our church is really good at addressing needs. And and I know that I have been given uh, Christmas gifts or pastor appreciation gifts from people for whom that money is a great sacrifice. And so we're so grateful for that. And and I know that our church has reached out and helped people in need. So that. That's part of the value system is that we would take our resources and help those in need. And then they, this church, the early church, every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. Well, you and I don't have the temple and the temple courts to meet in, but we can certainly get together every day. And they broke bread. Again, they participated in communion in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. And so this group of people were so excited about what God had done in their lives and that their sins were forgiven in Jesus that they just hung out together because they wanted to. And they ate together and they were glad and sincere. They didn't meet together because they had to. They didn't meet together because some program said, hey, on the third Sunday of every month, you're supposed to have a fellowship. And, uh, you know, that they were pressured to do it. It wasn't like that. They wanted to. They had glad and sincere hearts. They wanted to be together. And uh, it's because they had so much in common, even though they were from diverse backgrounds. And they were praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. So they gave thanks to God. They praised God together. 
and they enjoyed the favor of all the people. And I think that what that means is that um, just like the Proverbs say that if a man's way delights the Lord, he makes even his enemies to live at peace with him. The point is, is that if a church is doing what it's supposed to do, the city rejoices. The rest of the people in the town are glad that we're there. They may not believe in our Jesus and they may not like everything we believe, but they're glad that we're there because we're making a positive difference in their community. And somehow this early church had the favor of all the people, not just the favor of they themselves in the church, but the people around them. Even if they didn't believe in Jesus, they certainly were impressed and they were glad for the presence of the church. I want our church to be able to do that too. And, and then finally, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. And so God worked. God added to the number those who were being saved. And so God was working and building the church. So there's a lot of characteristics about that early church that, again, are not exactly for us today. We don't live in a commune and we don't have the apostles. But apart from those two distinctives, just about everything else in that list is for us. And I, I think that um, we can pursue that kind of thing. And and I'll, I'll go through that list a little bit more in a summarized way later in the message. But um, I wanted us to get this starting point for this first Sunday night because I'm explaining to you tonight what it is, the reason why we want to have a Sunday night church service. So let me pray and we'll continue on. Father, thank you so much for the encouragement of your word. Thank you for the early church and how their lives were so changed by the realization that God had, that you had sent you had you'd sent Jesus into the world that you had forgiven their sins that their biggest problem was dealt with that they didn't need to be afraid to die they didn't need to hate themselves anymore and they were empowered by your holy spirit father those things are true for us too and we just pray that that same passion and boldness would would overwhelm us that we would follow you with a brave and joyful heart in Jesus name amen well i want to ask the first our um I just want to summarize those particular aspects of the early church again with a short list. And that is, first of all, it was built on gospel teaching, right? They, they devoted themselves to the teachings of the apostles. So it was based on the gospel message, the fact that Jesus came to earth, lived the perfect life, and that he died on the cross to pay the penalty for our sins. And then he rose from the dead to prove that he had been accepted and to give us new life as well. And so we lost it all in our sin. We, we failed, we disobeyed God and we were God's enemy. But Jesus paid it all. He fulfilled all righteousness for God. So he made it all okay. So then if we accept Jesus by faith, even though we lost it all, in Jesus pays it all, then now we get it all. All of God's blessings are given to us. We're, there's no... Um, Nothing held back. God is able to give, give, give. We studied in our Psalms last Sunday that the the um, we the Bible reminds us that God doesn't need us. But one of the other sides of that is not just that we know He doesn't need us, but it reminds us that He is able to give. He never, because He has no need, He is able to give and give and give. And so God loves to give. He loves to equip us. He loves to make us great. He gives us His His grace, and that gospel teaching, the fact that Jesus is the middle of our teaching. And we'll have another Sunday night session someday about what gospel-centered preaching is all about. But gospel teaching is the foundation, right? 
And we know the gospel. That's what we want to be part of. And that's the center of our ministry. And the other things that they did again, they went fellowship together, they had communion together, and they prayed together. And so there was interaction. When God calls us to be believers, we are not individuals. We're supposed to be part of a family. We're supposed to join a group. We need one another. I need to hear you pray so that I'm reminded, oh, that's true too. And I need to hear you um, worship God and ask forgiveness when you have communion. And I need to have fellowship with you. It keeps me from being strange. When I'm all by myself, my own oddities and, and idiosyncrasies come through. But when we're together, we balance each other and we help each other and we keep ourselves in line. It's what a family does. And we're part of God's family and it's what we can do together. Fellowship, communion, and prayer. So it's it's got to be part of our lives. We aren't solo agents. We're part of a group. We're part of a community. We're God's people. And then the idea of gathering together gladly with glad and sincere hearts. You know, I have to admit that many times in church, in my history, and even as a pastor, I've tried to organize and uh, use a program to set up ways for people to get together in various small group ministries, various other things, and schedule events. Hey, come to this event and come to this event and, and try to make people feel guilty. And I, I have even heard it in my own home. I probably even said, oh man, we get to go to another one of those fellowships. And, and it's because we're tired and it's hard. But part of it's because we're trying to force something to happen that um, should happen because we want it to happen. I didn't have anybody needing to force me to hang out with my um, fiance's family. When Tame and I were engaged, man, I, I liked her family because I liked her. And we, we hung out and I learned and joined that fellowship. And, and love was the reason we got together. And nobody had to write a program. Nobody had to set up a system for me to be incentivize or to made feel guilty if I didn't call her so many times a week or you see love draws us together and so I really want us to um, abandon I have to confess the tendency to want to programmatically force or schedule people to get together I want to abandon that I want it to be because you want to and if we can't get the truth of the gospel and the love for one another to, to excite us enough to want to hang out together, then we probably don't deserve to hang out together anyway. I mean, really, when you think about it, do you want somebody to have to come over? Do you want somebody to have to be your friend? Or do you want somebody who wants to be your friend because you love the same Jesus? And so I'm persuaded from the scriptures and from my own experience that you can't organize um, harmony and fellowship. You need to you need to build a thirst for it, and God is the one who does that. He binds us together, and, and if we learn the gospel and understand how much it means to us, then we'll be more willing to hang out with other believers. It's just natural, and I want it to be natural. I want it to be something we want to do. I want people to say, "Can we have another fellowship, please?" Wouldn't that be better than, "Okay, who are we going to get to set up the chairs this time?" We don't want to do it that way. We want to do it because people want to. And then also notice that they were united together. They shared things in common and they were generous. And so they're united and generous in the care for the needy. They really took care of people in need. And we do a good job of that as a church. And we want to continue that kind of thing. And they praised God, right? That was part of their, they sang together. 
They, they talked about God together. They shared great things. It was not only just prayer requests, but there were praises. And that's a good thing for us to emphasize too. And then again, enjoying the favor of the people. I want Wyoming to be glad for our church. I want our impact to be beneficial to them for the gospel's sake so that Jesus' name is great and that our gospel is winsome. I want them to be pleased that we're making a difference in the world. And so West Michigan should be glad for Wyoming Park Bible Fellowship. And then, and then we need to remember that what Jesus wants to do is add to his church. And the solution to this, I'm persuaded again by this, by this study and, and the recent readings and, and how God is working. I'm persuaded again that, that um, we can try to have calling programs and we can have training sessions for how to share your faith and and I, I, if you're like me, you probably came to those how to share your faith classes out of a sense of guilt, because how could you possibly say, no, I don't want to go to a how to share your faith class, because I don't really want to share my faith. I mean, it's not that we don't want to, it's just it's so scary and intimidating, and, and we, we just don't, and, but the Lord is the one who adds to our number. And it's not because, that doesn't mean that we don't do something. But it means that we realize that he's the one who's going to give us opportunities. We don't need to go out searching like a bunch of marketers or, you know, street to street, door to door. God is going to give us opportunities. He's in the work of doing that. But also, in when a person really loves Jesus, it's not hard to talk about him. Think about some of the boldest witnesses from the New Testament. I think of the woman at the well. She was a brand new believer. She didn't have hardly any idea what was going on. And she goes running back into the town that she was ostracized because she went to the well in the middle of the day. And she went back to Samaritan town and she told everybody, you would not believe I met the person who told me everything I've ever done. Or in modern day, for us, you know, we, we don't get to see Jesus who tells us everything. But she, she could have said, you, you wouldn't believe it. I found the person who's forgiven me for every sin I've ever done. And... The joy is just so easy to share. I bet you remember when you were first a new believer, it was way easier to talk about it. When a new couple is engaged, they, they don't hide it. When you know, somebody says, what's new in your life? What's going on? How's your life going? It ought to be easy for us to say, man, I am just so grateful for what Jesus is doing in my life. He's doing stuff right now. And so again, if we have the right focus and we love the gospel and we're letting the gospel impact our lives, then fellowship will come because we want to. And sharing the gospel and inviting our unsaved believers will be just second nature. It'll, it'll be like our first love. We, we want to share the gospel with our unbelieving neighbors. So that is my foundation. And so now I want to answer the question, why Sunday night church? What's the reason for doing Sunday night church? And there's a number of good reasons, but um, one of them at least is to keep in mind is that we've been unable to meet in person. And so I think it'll be good for us if we can meet in person more often. And so when we can open back up, it's going to be awesome. And so I, I look forward to being able to see you face to face. And then Lord willing, when the, um, when the uh, pandemic is even more receded and we're able to hug one another again, what a glorious day those are going to be. So we want to do Sunday Night Church. And so let me just give you three ideas about Sunday Night Church. First of all, it's a slightly different atmosphere. Now, I have to um, explain from my own background, and this may be just my own personal experience, but I was a little boy who grew up in a, in a Baptist church, 
and it was uh, the old church in downtown Granville. It was right across the street from Second Reformed. Right now, the where the church was is now the is the now the library, and um, or not the library, but the uh, police station in Wyoming in Granville. But it was an old building, no air conditioning, and in my experience, there was three types of church. There was Sunday morning and Sunday school which was like our churches today. There was sort of formal. I remember there was a little plaque on the wall with the numbers of what hymns there would be that day. And I would always, when I, you know, as a little boy, I'd be distracted and I'd try to figure out different algorithms or math that I could do with those numbers and look for patterns. And, and I remember the fans up in the ceiling trying to circulate the air and the ladies fanning their faces because it was so hot. And, and the pastor was just wiping the sweat off his brow all the time about with his handkerchief because it was hot Sundays, but um, it was formal and it was it was special. And there was Sunday school, and that's when we you know broke into smaller groups, and so that was kind of cool. But then there was another part of my life. Our family was very faithful. My dad was on the board, and so we went to Sunday evening church. And Sunday evening was similar in some ways, but different. The music was a little bit different. It was a little more casual, more often then hardly ever on Sunday mornings would we have a testimony service, but sometimes on Sunday night there'd be a testimony meeting and different ones would just stand up and talk about how the Lord was working in their life. And even as a little boy, I may not have listened to all the messages very well, but I sure perked up on those things. And I remember the one guy was a construction worker and his hands were so big and he talked about how dear the Lord Jesus was to him. And another person and another person, I can remember their names. And most of these guys are, are with the Lord now or very aged. But I was a little boy, I was impacted that, man, God meant something to these people. And women would speak and, and talk about what God was doing in their lives. It was amazing to me that there was real life in these people. And Sunday evenings had a, a little bit, oh, I, back in those days, but maybe a little more peppy music and maybe a special music once in a while. It was just sort of a more fun, uh, more laid back uh, for a little kid anyway, it was, it was more casual. It was, a, it was different venue. It was a slightly different experience. I do remember it being awful hot, though. Sometimes, I'm telling you, I don't know if I've ever slept harder than if you sleep during Sunday night hot, hot Sunday night church service. I mean, that is heavy sleep. And one time I woke up and I realized that my face was leaning against somebody's cool arm and it was so comfortable. And I, and I, and it was so nice, and I, I kind of woke up a little bit, and I, real, and I realized that I had fallen asleep on the lady sitting next to us. It wasn't even a family member. I didn't know who she was, and I was horrified. You know, I, I thought I had fallen asleep on my mom, but she was on the other side, and I had just basically passed out and fell asleep. And that lady was so happy that this little boy had fallen asleep by her, but I was... I have to tell you, I was fairly angry with my mom for I, on the way home in the car. I said, why? How did you let me fall asleep on a stranger's arm? But anyway, I'll never forget that Sunday evening service. But it was a little bit different. And then there was another service in the, in the church called the Wednesday night prayer meeting. And by percentage, you know, there was maybe if, I don't remember the numbers, but if there was 100 people on Sunday morning, then Sunday night would maybe have 60 people and Wednesday night would maybe have 30 people. And it was expected and it wasn't unusual because people work sometimes and can't come on Wednesday nights. And Sunday night was really for the more committed people. And Sunday morning was for the, you know, just the the seekers, people who hadn't, weren't that used to church yet. But Wednesday night was even another layer more intimate. It was more question and answer and a shorter 
a shorter Bible study and sort of a prayer time. And I remember the, the um, being again amazed of, of being on my knees in a room uh, at different chairs and hearing older men, men my father's age and older, um, talking to God. And just, I didn't understand everything yet, but I knew, I knew that they had a relationship with a person. And so I'll never forget that. So that's my background. And in that kind of background, then what I'm saying is that I'm looking for our Sunday night service to be a slightly different atmosphere than our Sunday morning service. So not as formal, um, the possibility of, of some sort of a um, testimony service or uh, maybe a, a, a hymn sing once in a great while. I remember we just do hymn sings on Sunday night with more focus on hymns. But uh, I've talked to Joel, and he's willing to give us music. And so our Sunday night will be an hour long, and it will be uh, with maybe three songs and then 45 minutes or less of teaching or question and answer or some specific topic tightly uh, tied to our church. And then uh, that's it. And so I'm excited about that. So first of all, it's a slightly different atmosphere. The second thing, it's a slightly, a different, a slightly different emphasis. So Sunday morning's message is intentionally gospel-centered. All of our messages are gospel-based, but the Sunday morning is evangelistic. It's supposed to be seeker-friendly. It's the one that you're going to invite your friends to who are unbelievers. It's the, um, more likely, although they'd certainly be welcome on Sunday night. But the Sunday night service is more for the disciples. If you could think of it, like Jesus would teach to all the people, like a, the the um, Sermon on the Mount was to all the people, or great crowds of people, or when he spoke from the boat and all the people on the shoreline, or when he saw the people without a shepherd and he began to teach them. So public teaching to everybody. But then Jesus would also take his disciples away by themselves for more specific kinds of teaching, more specific topics that were for the more mature believer, for the more committed. And so the, the Sunday night has the emphasis on dealing with and how do we talk about things to ourselves that aren't the same as that we don't want to take the time for on a Sunday morning. So this message right now is an example. I, there are so many things I want to talk to you about, but I can't fit them in on a Sunday morning. And so that's why we're doing a Sunday night. I want to give you that, um, that vision and understanding. So it's a slightly different, different emphasis. Again, teaching for the disciples, not necessarily teaching for the entire public. The idea of question and answer times, like maybe once a quarter, or maybe twice a quarter, somebody can, can uh, you know, if they ask the pastor, how would you deal with this issue? Or how would you deal with this? How, could we answer some questions from the Bible? And so that kind of a venue, um, it gives us an opportunity to address some specific challenges that are going on in our world or in our church, um, different things that, that you can't take a Sunday morning to do. Sometimes on a Sunday morning, I'll do that, um, like with a fairly long announcement time. Like if you remember when we were in person about a month or two ago, if that was, I don't know when it was, maybe October, but I talked about the spheres of authority that God has assigned and that we trust the government to do some things and the church has to do some things and the family has to do some things and the individual and, and we trust one another. That's an example of that kind of a thing. And so I've used announcement time for that, but I want to be able to do that on a Sunday night and not take time from a Sunday morning service. And then um, testimony meetings, I think that'd be great. We, we used to um, do life stories on Sunday morning, but with a tighter schedule and wanting to do things efficiently, um, we want to give ourselves an opportunity to have people share their life stories more often and we'd do that on a Sunday evening. 
And so we can hear how God is working and has worked. And man, I got to believe some of the best sermons our church has ever heard have come actually from the life stories of ourselves, not necessarily from me, the pastor. And then it's also an opportunity for leadership development. It's a less risky, friendlier place for somebody to to start their teaching gifts or to start uh, having the opportunity to learn how to teach or or maybe even to learn how to perform musically. And so it's sort of a training ground. And so it's not so much pressure as a Sunday morning might be. So it's sort of a, a slightly different emphasis in that way. So Sunday night's a different atmosphere and a different emphasis, a different time frame. But the part of what I'm trying to do here, what the board is uh, excited about, is that it actually, or on purpose, making more time to serve Jesus throughout the week. In other words, we're going to take our um, Sunday night and replace any Wednesday night programs. And so anything else that happens during the week is up to you, not formally part of our fixed schedule. Now, if the youth group wants to do something on Wednesday night, they could still, but I would even encourage them to consider doing youth group on Sunday night. Uh, so it's not a mandate, but the idea here is that we're going to keep your schedule clear. We're not going to try to ask you to come to church multiple times a week. We want you to do the work of ministry yourselves during the week. And on Sunday morning, you come for worship time and special teaching, and it's an opportunity to bring your friends. And on Sunday night, it's an opportunity to bring new believers and, and your friends, but it's more importantly an opportunity for you as believers to get charged back up again and to work with um, understanding things and, and, and be excited about what Jesus is doing in our lives. So together, the Sunday morning and Sunday evening would fulfill all of our public ministries, and everything else would be up to you. You see, what's better? Having you um, feel guilty about hospitality and making you invite somebody over through some schedule, say, hey, you need to get together. You know, you, you three families get together, and what have you done it yet? And hey, we got to do it. The board wants us to do it. And so the three families get together, and surprisingly, I bet you, you have more fun than you thought you would. But it's sort of pressured. How, how, uh, how weak is that compared to? man, we had such a good time with Jesus on a Sunday night. Let's go out for pizza or let's get together. And you, because you want to, you make those relationships in a more organic, wanted to way. Now, if I was um, thinking that we could influence you or that I could encourage you enough and pep you up to want to do that, then that would be all wrong. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is I'm trusting the gospel to change me to make me more hospitable. I'm trusting the gospel to so hurt and so impact my life, to so radically attack me that I'm going to want to go out and share. It's going to be easier to talk about Jesus because he's my bridegroom. He's the, I can show you the ring. I'm so excited to be engaged to Jesus. I'm so thrilled about what he's doing in my life. And so it's going to be easier if I really understand what he's done, like the early church did, right? They saw the impact of the resurrection. They saw the crucifixion. And we need to see those things in our mind's eye and realize what an amazing thing it is to be forgiven. So let me just kind of lay out a, a diagram here. I hope you can read this. But this is uh, across the top of Sunday morning, Sunday morning, Sunday evening, and Wednesday night. That's the categories. And then... Um, Back in 2019, back in the olden days. Remember the olden days? So over there, back in the olden days, we on a Sunday morning, we had a worship service. And then during the worship service, we had children's church and nursery. 
So that all happened from 9.30 to uh, almost 11 o'clock. So uh, 9.30 to 10.45 was the plan. So that was what we used to do. And then on Sunday morning after that, we would have our BFG hour where the groups of different, the same ages would get together and they discuss the sermon and share prayer requests. And that's a very valuable time. And then the, during the BFG hour, we had our children's Sunday school. So SS stands for Sunday school and nursery again. So we had childcare provided. So that was what our Sunday morning was back in the day, a worship service, a BFG hour. And the children had children's church and Sunday school. And then back in the olden days, we sometimes had a Sunday night event. We would do a Sunday night Bible study or something, but we had no child care and it was um, difficult to come to. I don't know if we had a really, 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 really good turnout, we'd have 12 people. And uh, somebody pointed out, one of the board members pointed out, and four of them or five of them were my family members. <laughs> so it really wasn't very much of a turnout. And so um, that's the way it was back in the olden days. And then on Wednesday night, we had prayer meeting. And then YG stands for youth group. And then YE was young explorers. So that was our children's ministry K through sixth grade. And so anybody from kindergarten up to uh, a senior high school has some kind of a ministry to go to on Wednesday night. And I also have to say that the prayer meeting part was not very well attended. And most of the people attended were the older folk. And what really happens on that Wednesday night back in those days is that the parents would drop off their kids at seven o'clock or quarter to seven and then come back and get them at eight o'clock. And so we were actually doing um, ministry with children and, and young people whose parents were not involved in the church that night. And so um, I, don't, I don't like that very much. I, I want to reach those families too. So um, that's the way it was in the olden days. And then today, um, you know, because of COVID and we're not in person, uh, Sunday morning is a video, right? And you can watch it any time of the week you want to after Saturday, but that's, we do a Sunday morning on video. And then on Sunday morning after that, around 1135, we have a Zoom fellowship. So we do that. We, we run between uh, 15 and 25 people that participate in that every week. And then now we have a Sunday evening. And so that's what you're watching right now. We're watching the first Sunday evening video. And then on Wednesday night, we have Zoom meetings for prayer meeting. And a couple of times now, uh, our total prayer meeting has been three people, me and the Torres. And so uh, Tony and Trish and I have a great time for 40 minutes. But uh, the most we've ever had was seven. So our, our, Sunday night, our Wednesday night prayer meeting Zoom is not very well attended. But the youth group meets on Wednesday nights through Zoom. So that's the way it's going right now. <clears throat> All right. But pretty soon... We're going to be in person again, but at least partially. And so I'm hoping in a couple weeks, if not sooner, um, I'll let you know on Thursday before this Sunday. So if we don't find out until Thursday that we the numbers are low enough that we can meet, I'll tell everybody we're going to meet on this Sunday. And so Thursday night is the cutoff time. If you haven't heard that church is open by Thursday, then it's not. And uh, we'll, we'll get it going. And even if only five people come, we're still going to be in person. But when we start back in person at the beginning, there's still going to be restrictions on how crowded we are and restrictions on space. And so the only thing we'll have is worship and nursery, right? We'll have our church service upstairs and nursery for little kids, but we won't have a children's church and we won't have 
Um, sadly, we won't be able to do BFG time or Sunday school because we won't have enough space for all the groups to meet. And so that'll be the first phase. And so assume that starts in February, February, March, maybe. And so um, I don't know how long that'll last. But then we're going to start Sunday evenings. So the first Sunday we're open for being in person again, even partially, we're going to start with a Sunday evening being in person too. So you can come twice, even though we can't stay for more than an hour and a half at a time, we can come back again. And on Sunday night, we are going to offer Sunday school for the children and nursery care. So now we have what used to be on Sunday mornings for the little kids, Sunday school, they're, they're um, K through sixth grade. We're going to have on Sunday night and we'll have nursery provided so parents can come. And by the way, if somebody comes and drops off their kids and they don't stay, then the second week I'm going to say to them, you need to stay because this is not intended for you to drop off your kids. This is intended for the whole family. So if you're not going to stay, uh, we love your children, but there has to be a really extenuating circumstance. Otherwise, we're just going to have to say you can't drop them off. So uh, <clears throat> so worship, Sunday school and nursery, and maybe youth group. I haven't talked to Josh about this, so he's flexible to do what he wants. But um that's the Sunday night thing. And then Wednesday is not going to be prayer meeting or youth group or uh, young explorers, at least not mandatory. And uh, if anything, if anything happens, it'll be like a spiritual formation group, which are these optional small groups of up to eight people that go through a series of 10 weeks with a strong commitment to one another and, and meet each other. And they promise to be there every time. And they, they go through the the steps of learning how to pray and learn how to share your testimony. So that's always, that's a small group ministry. But the point is, is that can happen any time in the day. Or actually, this category isn't even Wednesday night anymore. This is actually any time in the week because I want us to do this. So, for example, John Kopp leads the um, a Bible study that was pretty much used to be the Wednesday night prayer meeting group. And they choose to meet on Wednesday afternoons because the, the older folk don't like to drive at night. So it works out really good. So we don't have a Wednesday night program. They have a Wednesday small group fellowship, right? They have a spiritual formation group on a Wednesday afternoon. And it works great for them. And they have communion once a month, especially right now when we can't meet in person. So it's really cool. But the point is that could be Monday night, Tuesday night, Thursday, when, whatever works for you if you want to be part of it. It's a hospitality kind of thing, and, and so it's flexible. So that's what it'll be like when we go to um, partial. But then, Lord willing, maybe May or June or the summer, we'll be all in, right? Everybody will be in person, so there won't be any restrictions anymore. And so our Sunday morning will be, uh, we'll switch back to what it used to be, right? It'll be worship and children's church and nursery for the first part of the Sunday, and then there'll be the BFG hour again and Sunday school for our kids and the second nursery. And so what used to be Sunday school on Sunday nights during the partial will shift back over to Sunday morning where it fits for the whole family. And so um, you can see how that works. But then Sunday night when we're in person, all of us in person, then Sunday night will still be a worship service and there'll be some kind of a new kids ministry. It's not uh, the same as Sunday school, and it's not the same as what we used to do on Young Explorers on Wednesday nights. It'll be some kind of a hybrid where children will do scripture memory, and they'll, they'll learn a lesson from the Bible, but there won't be games or Awana-type things. It'll be uh, mostly just 
some sort of a uh, how to maybe you can even think of it as a spiritual formation group for little children and again Sunday night might be the best opportunity for the youth group to meet and then again there'll be nursery provided and so then from then on everything is you do it whenever you want to do it if you want to get together I want to encourage you to invite somebody over to your home not because you have to but because you want to for Jesus sake and Jesus has moved in your life so much that you just can't wait to do it so if you look at all this I guess I'm trying to say is that what we used to do on Sunday mornings is what we're going to do on Sunday mornings again in the future. So everything's the same once we get back to full force and there's no more pandemic restrictions. But I also want to say that what we used to do on Sunday evening is going to be a lot more full, uh, full breadth of service. It's going to be a songs, a teaching time, a new kind of children's ministry and nursery provided. So it's going to be more than just a study. And what we used to do on Wednesdays, we're not going to do. We're, we're not coming out another night of the week. It's less about a program and more about your organic, um, serendipitous, individual serving Jesus and doing what he wants you to do. So again, why Sunday night church? Again, to, to, to break it down simply, specific teaching goals. It's an opportunity for us to cover some material that disciples need to cover, not just the crowds. And so it's an on-purpose emphasis to reach ourselves and build ourselves up, right? So the goal is to equip one another to do good works. We want to learn how to do good works. The, the, the calling on a pastor, the calling on pastors in general, is to equip the people to do the works. It's not for me to do the works, it's to equip the people, the people of our church, to do the good works that God wants us to do. And I again, I'm trusting Jesus to make a difference. I want us to be encouraged so much by the gospel that we want to follow through. Not that we have to follow through, not that somebody's going to call us and say, hey, did you do what you said you were going to do? Which is a good thing to do. But I even want that to be because you want somebody to help hold you accountable, not because you have to hold somebody accountable. Because it never works, really, if you try to do this. It never works to try to uh, buy your own disciplines, you know, uh, uh, subscribe to some new value system, turn it, you know, a New Year's resolution. I'm going to do a good job at church. I'm going to invite 13 people over. I'm going to read through the Bible twice. I'm gonna, you know, those are great goals, and we should make goals, but I... And persuaded that a new love, a new passion for Jesus makes it so much easier. When you love what he loves, when we love what he's done for us, when we realize what he died for me, he took my punishment, I, I can't help but be grateful and I can't help but be moved to want to do what he wants me to do. So, hey, how did you like your first Sunday night service? I kind of liked it. And during this quarantine time, we're going to drop these uh, these videos and make them available by Thursday mornings each week. And you know, maybe when we're all in person again, we'll have a camera that takes a live video and records it that way. But for now, I'll still record it from my office, and and um, I have the privilege of sharing with you. I can't wait to talk to you about next week some of the things that God has been doing in our church leadership team. And the title of next Sunday night's message is. What I did, what John Dubois did, what I did to make our board not very important. 
and it was a mistake. And so I want to uh, confess that to you and tell you that story and see and, and be excited with you what God is doing. Okay, let's pray. Father, thank you so much for our church. Please, please, Jesus, help us to see if our eyes are open to what you've done for us. We will want to follow through for your honor and your glory. In your name we pray. Amen.